Okay. All right. Let's get started here. Oh. Oh. Took my pockets there. There we go. Take this off. Um. Anyway, I want us to go to uh, the book of Psalms here first. There's 150 of them. Doesn't get any bigger. And I want to go to 105, and we'll start in verse 1 here. So, oh, Psalm 105, verse 1. Look at this. Thank the Lord for all the glorious things he, look at that, he does. Man, I tell you, it, and it, like Laura was mentioning, you know, the churches she went to, and I did too. They preach, they have one verse, and they talk about something else, you know. And, and a lot of times they spend all their time preaching about what other churches are doing, how it's wrong. So it's just a fight back and forth, you know. Uh, sometimes some people can have some beautiful messages and stuff, but look at this. Look at that. Look, catch that. For all the glorious things he does. They, they'll say the age of miracles is past. It's a dispensation. And then the age of this. I, I heard one brother at work once, he told me he was a good Church of Christ guy, great guy and stuff, but I overheard him. And he was talking to someone about the Psalms. Well, the Psalms were mostly physical, and you could get physical help, but it was a time back. And I thought, nah, Psalm is prayer, or you could call it a song. I'm not singing no song that ain't no good, you know. You know, like, I mean, you know the song the carpenter said, "I never fall in love again." You know, <laughs> I mean, that girl goes on and on about it. What do you get when you? She's telling the story, but if ever, if you listen before the the song completely goes away, carpenter, she says, uh, she says. Till tomorrow, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know, we learn. But anyway, Lotus says, "Why would you sing something that's not true?" You know. So, like that Carpenter song, we know what that feels like. If you've been pff, your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, or you've been through a divorce, you know that pains and stuff. There. So here we go. Thank the Lord for all the glorious things He does. Proclaim them to the nations. Now, remember, this is a song, a prayer, or whatever. But look at this. Sing His praises. Tell everyone about His miracles. I mean, I'm not going to say anything because He's not the same. Yeah, we do too. Praise God. Look at that, everyone. Look at the things you can pull out. And his miracles. You're not just get it because we're just, I know if I just be happy, things good will happen. No, it won't either. Glory in the Lord, O worshipers of God. Rejoice. Wonder what we can do here. We just heard. You're not feeling too happy? Start singing, you know. Start thinking about this. Look for this. Search for him and for his strength and keep on searching. Well, we know what's going to happen if we do that. Jesus is seeking. You'll find but look at that. Search for him and for his strength and keep on searching. And if you can recall some things, if you grew up in church, you'd remember, <gasps> rise up with wings as eagles, you know, whatever, uh, uh, Isaiah 40. So how do you know all these things? Well, you hear some things from other people that teach you the Bible, but as you begin to read, you'll know where these things are. Don't depend on Googling. Good grief. You know. All right, verse uh, five. Think of the mighty deeds he did for us, his chosen ones, descendants of God, servants of Abraham. Here we go. That's Genesis, okay? And it's actually pretty near the front. Adam and Eve, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Chapter three, they fall, okay? Chapter four, a little bit of history there from Adam all the way down through, uh, um, uh, well, actually, chapter four, the two sons, one of them kills each other. You know, Cain kills Abel. Then there's a, a short uh, genealogy there. The fifth chapter is a total genealogy from Abraham. Then by the sixth chapter, you got a flood. And then the flood goes on for seven, eight, nine, ten, ten chapters. And all of a sudden, you're at Abraham at 12. Actually, you're at Abraham at the end of the 11th chapter. You got 50 chapters in Genesis. So he's way up front. Anyway, notice this. And of Jacob, that'd be his grandson. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Okay, remember how he destroyed our enemies. 
He is the Lord our God. His goodness is seen everywhere throughout the land. I, well, I ain't seen him. Well, stick with the psalm here. Tell him you've got problems. Ask him to help you. Look at this. Back up verse 7. He is the Lord our God. His goodness is seen everywhere throughout the land. Praise the Lord. Golly. Though a thousand, look at this, generations pass, he never forgets his promise, his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, you could say a, a, uh, a generation is 40 years and you start in day one. Back We use that calendar back there. Basically, we're about 6,000 years from creation. And the evidence lines up for that. You can go look yourself, look around. One of my favorite ones I keep coming back to is uh, comets. They're made out of ice. It's ice. And they swing around the sun and come back. Some of them swing around the sun and they never come back. Why? They melt. It's the snow cones out there. They can't exist more than 100,000 years, but we still got them. So this place is less than 100,000, but they tell us it's 4.5 billion. All right. We wouldn't even have a sun. There's so many things. The, the uh, oh, population tables wouldn't work, growth tables. You back it up to this, it works. Anyway, do your own math. I did that the other day. I just put it in. I mess with Excel, you know, and I put down. I was calling it by pairs. Okay, we have the first pair, Adam and Eve. Okay. And then suppose they had 10. They had more, but I'm just going by 10. So the first, first pair, Adam and Eve, they had five pair. And then you go from the five pair down. Man, by the time you get great grandkids, they're over 120. They're over 125 grandkids, you know. And you go from there, it's 600. And then from there, it's, it just, it takes off. Anyway. Let's keep going. So anyway, so somebody's writing this as though they believe it happened. Anyway, so though a thousand generations pass, he never forgets his promise. What I was going to say about generations. So from day one, Adam and Eve, you count 40 years times a thousand. We ain't nowhere close. We ain't nowhere near that. It's not talking about people. Generations is an age, like your class. You graduate, I graduated in 1978. That generation, whatever. It's not a yearly generation. We say generations can be... I mean, how long you want to average people live? We could say it's 60 years, whatever. But a 1,000 years hadn't passed by. I mean, a 1,000 generations, excuse me. So notice this, though. The point is, he never forgets a promise. Yeah, but Abraham and Isaac are dead. Oh, those promise was to not only to Abraham and Isaac, but to his descendants. And that's us, too. And confirmed with Jacob. Oh, what a tale. When the time Jacob shows up, Jacob basically mirrored almost the number of chapters that Abraham, Abraham hits at, we'll say, the end of the 11th chapter of Genesis. He goes all the way to about 23. And then Isaac, Isaac has Jacob. And you take 23, it's 23 all the way to 50. Because uh, uh, Jacob goes all the way to uh, see Pharaoh. And that's where Pharaoh asked him, right, the second, the 49th chapter, I believe it is. He says, how old are you? <laughs> and Jacob says, well, I'm 100." 37, but I'm not near as old as some of my ancestors. That's all lies. Why did they say it that way? Pharaoh even knew he was an old codger. He says, man, how old are you? And his answer again, I'll repeat it. I'm not near as old as some of my ancestors. And the ages are in there. Wow. Anyways, here we go. He never forgets his promise with Abraham and Isaac. And confirmed with Jacob. This is his never-ending treating with the people. Triple, triple, with a never-ending treaty with the people of Israel. I will give you the land of Canaan as your inheritance. See, that's what God gave to Abraham. He says, "Come, go, leave your place, Haran, and follow me to I'll, and go to the promised land. You know, land of Canaan. I'm gonna give it to you." All right. 
Anyway, interesting enough, where it says Jacob here, Jacob, as I said, went down to uh, Egypt because his son, who was his son, coat of many colors, Joseph, was vice president down there, wasn't he? And so they stayed down there in the comfort of that place. But God already told Abraham it's going to be, they're going to be held as slaves for 400 and something years, but I'm going to bring them out with great power, and they're going to get to the Holy Land. But anyway, Josh, Joseph knew that they were going to get this land, and he didn't want his bones, even though he was dead. Crazy. The writers of the scriptures, they just made this up. Well, you couldn't have made this up. He wants his bones. He's vice president of Egypt. He wants his bones. He made these Israelites, his kids and whatever, promise that you will, when y'all go to the promised land, what promised land? They knew this. Remember, Moses' father-in-law knew that promise too. And he was the high priest of the sun god, whatever. All right, verse 12. He said this when they were but few in number, very few, and were only visitors in Canaan. Okay, that's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were in they were in the land, but they didn't have it yet. They were just living around in tents and stuff. But they were very, very prosperous. Very. Later, they were dispersed among the nations and were driven from one kingdom to another. Oh. Oh. No, hold on a second. Right here, he's talking about when they got, he's, he's mentioning here, they're in the Holy Land. They got there. Okay. So back to verse 12. He said this, when they were few in number, very few, they were only visitors in Canaan. Later, they were dispersed among the nations and were driven from one kingdom to another. But through it all, he would not let one thing be done to them apart from his decision. He destroyed many a king who tried. Touch not these chosen ones of mine, he warned, and do not, uh, do not hurt my prophets. It wasn't just prophets, it was everybody. You see that? Look at that. He called for a famine in the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent Joseph. No, I was right. Okay, so this is before Joseph. Okay, anyway, nonetheless. He sent Joseph as a slave to Egypt. This stuff just didn't happen. Well, how did the writers keep... Remember, there was no... Uh, hey, could you call on the phone and confirm this? <laughs> they had no connections, which is the beauty of our high-tech society now to look back and go, how did they know that? Uh-oh, you know. You know, mm. and somebody said, "Well, Richard, don't you know it's the, uh, it's the uh, oh, carbon dating and stuff like this? It's the uh, dating mechanism." Look, they pick and choose those dates. You, you just like a fish on a hook. You just fell for that. You go back and look. I always ask why. See, they, I, I found, I discovered they found. They call it Skull fourteen eighty. It's not that it was found in 1480, but a guy named Leakey found a fossil or whatever. That skull was in the fossil beds that's supposed to have been millions and millions of years old. So what they did, they, we, they went back and they renamed that fossil layer. And they said, well, that fossil's about, a, about 2 million years old. Nah, 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 nah. You said it was 200 million back three or four, I mean, uh, 40 years ago with your dating and all this kind of stuff. See, they juggle that around to try to explain... But anyway, time's on our side. It all tracks. He's Lord. He's coming back. He called for a famine in the land of Canaan, cutting off his food supply. See, that happened during the time of Isaac. He sowed in famine, but he received, but he reaped a hundredfold. And everybody's going, what? It's like that stuff Phil was talking about in everybody in this room. The blessings of the Lord are on you. Don't worry. Your testimony is so powerful. God's using you to testify to some of those knuckleheads. Amen. He called for a famine in the land of Canaan, Canaan cutting off its food supply. Then he sent Joseph as a slave to Egypt. Okay, that's when that happened here. Oh, 
Oh, because when Joseph was down there, his daddy, Jacob, sent his sons down there and said, hey, go to Egypt. We hear they got grain down there. And they went down there. And remember, Joseph disguised himself. He recognized him and said, my brothers who sold me as a slave 20 years ago. I'm going to have fun with this. But he was so glad to see him. Okay. He sent Joseph as a slave to Egypt to save his people from starvation. Look at that. Nah, we can do without food. God's not going to help you with your dinner. We will too. Always does. There in prison, they hurt him with his feet. They hurt, excuse me. There in prison, they hurt his feet with fetters. Talking about Joseph, coat of many colors. Placed the neck uh, in an iron collar until God's time finally came. How God tested his patience. Then the king sent for him and, and set him free. He put him in charge of all the king's possessions. At his pleasure, he could imprison the king's aides and teach his king's advisors. Well, this guy's recapping what happened with Joseph. All right. Uh, let's see what we see now. Then Jacob, okay, that's his dad. Israel arrived in Egypt and lived there with his sons. Yeah. First verse of, uh, of Exodus recaps that, but you see it in the latter chapters of Genesis. In the years that followed, the people of Israel multiplied explosively until they were a great nation. They were a greater nation than their rulers. At that point, God turned the Egyptians against the Israelis. They hate. They hated and enslaved them, but God sent Moses. Here we go. This stuff just didn't. Yeah, it did too. It happened. He sent Moses as his representative and Aaron with him to call down miracles of terror upon the land of Egypt. They followed his instructions. He sent thick darkness throughout the land, turned the nation's water into blood, poisoning the fish. Yeah. Nile turned into blood. Look at that. Here comes the frogs. The frogs invaded enormous numbers. They were found even in the king's private rooms. That's it. I mean... That's one of the verses we see in Exodus. Can you imagine just the, the, the power of these miracles, the strangeness of them? There was flies. No, Richard, it was locusts. No, it was locusts too. That was different. Whew. There was hail. Oh, mercy. Yeah, really. But can you imagine just the fact that it was frogs? It's going to be hard to forget this. It's going to be hard. And they really have, here comes the flies. Then Moses spoke the flies and other insects swarmed in a vast cloud from one end of, the, of Egypt to the other. Instead of rain, he sent down murderous hail. That's some bad stuff. Remember Moses said, get everybody bring your stuff in. Anything left out in the fields. And the verse says, the Egyptians who, uh, honored, uh, who honored, who believed Moses, they ran out of there in terror. But some, it said some of them didn't. And all their servants and cattle were killed. Anyway. Uh, lightning flashes overwhelm the nation. They're, and I always think of this. When Moses was in there, it was still storming out there because remember, it was going crazy, but it wasn't touching him. And he goes up to Pharaoh and, you know, and Pharaoh's going, hey, I see my problem. I know I made a mistake. Cause the rain to stop. Moses said, okay, but don't you do this again now. You better let my people go. So Moses goes out in the midst of that. It's just, I wish we had a video so we could fill in the gaps in our thinking sometimes because sometimes we think, well, I guess it calmed down. No, it was still storming. It just wasn't over in uh, with Israel. All right, we got that part. Uh, their grapevines and fig trees were ruined. All the trees lay broken on the ground. He spoke in hordes of, here comes the locust. Wow, this is a Sunday school lesson on itself. Hordes of locusts came and ate up everything green, destroying all crops. Then he killed the oldest child in Egypt, uh, each uh, oldest child in Egypt's home, their pride and joy. Oh, wow. That was the death angel. Look at this. And brought his people. Now, watch closely here, okay? Make yourself pay attention. Watch this. He brought his people safely out 
from Egypt, loaded with silver and gold. Now, that's just one blessing. Isn't it great to know God provides for you? God will take, we don't have to worry about money. If you're worried this morning, some sort of problem, roll your burdens on the Lord. He's the same. Now, look at that next phrase. I, that was fantastic. But if you're fine financially, but all of a sudden you're having some trouble, well, Richard, I'm just slowing down because I'm getting older. No, wait a minute, hold on. Don't do that to the Bible. There were no sick and feeble folk among them then. Well, it's kind of like, Richard, I, I envisioned it this. It's like when I watch commercials on TV, and you know where I'm going with this. Every commercial you see, everybody is a young person. T switch to the drug commercials or whatever. Obviously, you got a drug commercial, then you got older people. <laughs> but the younger ones are all, everybody in the room. And so it's, it, I get so tickled about some of the ones go to Diamonds. These girls, they no way. They're dating somebody who's got that kind of money. <laughs> There's no way. But they do it on TV. You see them on the parkway, you know, that girl up there. She's like this. She has not got the money to get those kind of diamonds and certainly doesn't have a boyfriend does. All of Huntsville doesn't. Yeah, really, you know, good grief. But, but back to this. So my point here is this. There was estimated 3 million. We already know the count. There were 600,000 soldiers. I mean, it could be soldiers, warriors, whatever. They, they did a census when they got out of Egypt. They counted all the men who could go to war. Okay, it was 600,000. Well, they got brothers, they got sisters, they got aunts and uncles and moms and dads, and by the time you add it all up, you got three, three million. Okay, could have been six. Okay, look at this. Egypt was glad when they were gone, for the dread of them was great. But my thing here is this, is that God took care of every one of them. There was not, look at that, not one sick or feeble among them. Man, praise the Lord. wonder if he'll do that for you. Yeah, he will. He will. It's not over. These are all the things he did for them. He spread out a cloud above them to shield them. Remember the cloud by day and the fire by night. Look, this was why. To shield them because they were in the desert from the burning sun. Praise the Lord. I don't know how many times in the summertime have you ever had to, I know Phil has. He's worked outside quite a bit and stuff. And you're just glad, buddy. You got overcast. Woo, what a break. Overcast today. Yeah. And gave them a pillar of fire at night to give them light. Hey, we're going to need a flashlight. Need it? Man, they had moonlight all the time at night, it seemed like. They asked for meat, and he sent them quail and gave them manna, bread from heaven. He opened a rock, and water gushed out to form a river through the dry, uh, through the dry and barren land. He did that a couple of times. Wow. Look at this. Look at that last phrase. For he remembered his sacred promises to somebody who wasn't even there. The promise was there, but this guy wasn't there. God did this years later as a promise to him, and we got that same blessing on us. Mm. So he brought his chosen ones singing into the promised land. Look at that. Yeah. Singing into the promised land. It's going to be hard to rip up promised land from the, you just can't take that out of society today when you hear promised land it's not like well my parents promised me a little back for no promised land you know where that phrase come from it's a biblical phrase he gave them the lands of the gentiles complete complete with their growing crops they ate what others planted this was all done to make them faithful and obedient to his laws hallelujah see the manna quit in genesis excuse me in joshua chapter one when they crossed the jordan river the manna quit because you're going to take that field tomorrow. Really? Oh, yeah. They knew it. Oh, they knew it. They took Jericho. 
they didn't burn up all the food. They got rid of all the people, but they took all the food. Wow. Okay. Oh, uh, I plan to get to this here. So let's see what we get here. Matthew chapter. Oh, uh, well, I'll start here. Yeah. Matthew chapter 12. Let me get over here. Oh, we're going to drop down here and see something about Solomon. Okay, let's see. Matthew chapter 12. Let me slip down here to a little phrase we see here. Jesus was talking to these guys. Here we go. Look at this. Verse 38. One day, some of the Jewish leaders, including some of the Pharisees, came to Jesus asking him to show them a sign. You know, well, God, I'll believe it if he just show me something. Look what he says. Only an evil and faithless generation. See, when, you're, when you want to seek the Lord, which we, we read in that Psalm 100, search him, search for his strength. You're going to find him. Only an evil, faithless nation would ask for further proof. Oh, and none will be given except what happened to Jonah. Jesus, don't make a fool of yourself. Man, I'm telling you, that happened. What a horrible event. Now, if you had to think about yourself being Jonah... <gasps> Well, it was a horrible event for Jesus to go to the cross three days and three nights. Mercy in the heart of the earth, he said. For as Jonah was in the great fish for three days and three nights, I just don't know. Well, go back and read the story. And when you read the story, you'll notice it's not embellished with fairy tales and stuff. Just read the story. It is so fast. You can spell Jonah, J-O-N-A-H. Go look it up. That's the name of the book. I think it's only four chapters. Amazing. Chapter 2 is his prayer from the belly of that stupid fish. And Jonah goes, man, I I blew it. And he says, those that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And then the Bible says, God spoke to the fish and he vomited, the King James, vomited him up. (laughs) There was nowhere that Jonah thought, well, I'm toast. I'm history. There's no way. No, he knew God was merciful and he knew he would get him out. Anyway, for as Jonah was in the great fish for three days and three nights, so I, the Messiah, shall be in the heart. Whoa. I've never heard of anything good being in the heart of the earth. Well, Jesus paid a price for you and I, okay? Three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh, look at this, shall rise up against this nation at judgment. Yeah, it's appointed that a man wants to die and then the judgment. There is a judgment. We don't have to worry about it. Jesus has saved us from this. But the men of Nineveh shall rise up against this nation. Well, these, this, these guys are gone. They're coming back for judgment day. So look what he says. And condemn you. For when Jonah preached to them, he's still hitting on this Jonah thing. Yeah, because they saw it. When Jonah preached to them, they repented and turned to God. You got to remember, <laughs> Jonah told them what happened. I didn't want to come down here, but I want you to know, I've been on the inside of a fish for a while. <laughs> they figured, figured it out. They repented and turned to God from all their evil ways. Uh, and now a greater than Jonah is here, and you refuse to believe him. Now, who's Jesus talking about? Himself, isn't he? Now, here we go. The queen of Sheba, mm-hmm. who's that? We'll see. Shall rise up against this nation in judgment and condemn it. For she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and now a greater than Solomon is here, and you refuse to believe him. Now, wait a minute. Let's go look real quick. Uh, I think it's the ninth chapter. Let me back up one, check eight. Okay, I want to back up to six, because I want to show you something. Look at this. Look at the date here. We can't have these dates, because they're not going to work out. Oh, they do work out. 
It was in the spring of the fourth year of Solomon. Now, who's Solomon? That's David. David killed Goliath. David was king, you know. Okay, that's his son Solomon. It was in the spring of the fourth year. Okay, springtime. He's been reigning four years, so his dad's been dead for four years. Uh, reign, he began the actual construction of the temple. So you've heard that, you know, David wanted to build a temple, but God said, don't do it. Your son will do it. And David had a lot of money all backed up in stuff for this place. Anyway, this was 480 years. Hey, wow, okay, cool. After the people of Israel left their slavery in Egypt, which never happened. Yeah, we know it did. 480 years. So you could say that's 480 years from Moses. I get it. But see, remember, they lost the Holy Land. They got to the Holy Land. They were there in the book of Joshua. They were there throughout the book of Joshua, but it was only like for 40, it was only for 50, 60 years. Then they lost it all. Look at the book of Judges. They all ran for cover. The Canaanites took it back over. Why? Because they quit worshiping God. They wanted to worship idols. Anything but Jesus, you know. Ridiculous. 480 years. So if you, take, if you think 480 years from Egypt here, and we'll give Joshua a little bit of time. We'll say his and his group was 100 years. Then that left uh, from Joshua, uh, that left all the book of Judges all the way through where he is right here, just uh, uh, roughly about 400 years, 350, something like that. Okay, so now we know. Wasn't that long. But you could ask your own questions if you read the Bible going, well, wait a minute, what's been happening in the last 480 years? Your Bible's so beautiful. Just back the pages up. Back them up. It's not mixed all together. Back them up and you can follow it. So beautiful. All right, so Solomon builds this uh, temple. He gets it built. All right, when he gets it built, he also, he built his own palace too, and his palaces were huge. And there's some great prayers that, uh, oh, oh, uh, that, Abraham, excuse me, Solomon prayed and the Lord answered his prayer. Fantastic. Like Solomon says, Lord, I pray that anybody who prays towards you in this temple. Now, remember, remember Jesus said this house, is, this is called a house of prayer. And he went through with a whip, you know, so he endorsed all this. But Solomon prays in front of all the people. If anybody anywhere in all the earth prays toward this temple and to you, God, hear their prayer and answer their prayer. And he meant give them what they asked for. God came back and visited him and said, I'm going to do what you say. Anytime. He said exactly what Solomon said. Anybody, you can read it in chapters uh, 8 and 9. When, uh, if anybody prays anywhere, I'll hear their prayer and answer them. Okay. Amazing. It's what separates from, from the sheep. I want to say sheep and ghosts, but it separates us from the people that say, well, I don't believe all that stuff. You keep your prayers going. The problem with the church is a lot of us quit praying. Remember the story Lori was telling a little while ago? They were praying for church, had some of the most awesome services and stuff. And they quit praying, you know. Go figure. When the queen of Sheba, now this is over in Africa. It's swing down the other side of, uh, uh, of, of Egypt over there. She heard how wonderfully the Lord had blessed Solomon, okay, with wisdom. She decided to test him with some hard questions. She arrived in Jerusalem along with a train of camels carrying spices, jewels. Look at this. And she took uh, a bunch of other stuff too, yeah, and told him all her problems. Now, it's interesting. If you've got a problem, look at this. You know, the Bible tells us if any man lacks wisdom, ask of God, gives to all men. God will walk you right out of your problems. Our problem is we've got to slow down and read the Bible. Don't listen to anybody else. You can't Google your way out of trouble. You can't. 
Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too difficult for him. Why? He's so smart. Well, here's why he's so smart. For the Lord gave him the right answers every time. Soon she realized that everything she had ever heard about... Remember Jesus said the queen of Sheba is going to rise up and say, Hey, Jack, you bet you should listen to Jesus. But they wouldn't listen to Jesus. The queen of Sheba did. Boy, she knew. She soon realized that everything she had ever heard about his great wisdom was true. Look, look what else she saw. Well, you, you know, we say you have to give up something. I have a backache, but at least I'm alive. You know, God will take care of your backache. You know, you know, it's, it, pain's no fun. It can affect you. you. You're not at your best with pain. Well, but it's so easy to say, well, I don't understand why this won't go away. Just keep trusting the Lord. Uh, all right, soon she realized where we get to. Yeah, uh, verse, anyway, right here. She saw the beautiful palace he had built, and they described that in the preceding chapters. Just awesome rooms. When she saw the wonderful food on his table, remember Psalm 23, he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Well, anyway, the great number of servants and aides who stood around in splendid uniforms, raggedy stuff, uh uh-uh. His cupbearers and the many offerings he sacrificed by fire to the Lord. Well, there was no more spirit in her. Now, remember, Jesus said something else about Solomon. The second time he said something about it. He said, consider the lilies of the field. They toil not, neither do they spin. But he said, I tell you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed. Or in other words, didn't look as pretty as those flowers. How much more? Did you catch that? How much more will he clothe you? Praise God. I've watched the Lord do that to me. I mean, I'm wearing that nice jacket this morning. Laura said, boy, that jacket looks nice and stuff. I, I got that from the Lord. I mean, it just I, he clothes me, takes care of me. Beautiful home, too. Wow. Just amazing. Now, remember this. <laughs> now, just take a snapshot of this. This is David, and here's his son Solomon. Solomon's son is going to lose it. It's going to go pew down the tube. Well, what happened? Not my fault. Yeah, it was too. Rehoboam, his son, is going to lose 80% of the whole kingdom. I mean, because it's going to split up. They're going to have a north versus a south. But boy, she said, anyway, she exclaimed, everything I heard, because she, she heard. And people hear about what's going on in our lives too. I heard about my, in my own country about your wisdom and the wonderful things going on here is all true. Look at this. I didn't believe it until I came, which that tells you that she wanted to see it for herself. She was so shook by God. She packed up and she didn't walk, but she rode one of them camels. But man, it was not across town. I didn't believe it till I came. But now I have seen for myself. And really, look what she says. The half had not been told to me. Praise God. You think God hides, well, we don't want to be too, oh, it's a called abundant life, abundant life. The thief comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come, you might have life, have it more abundantly. Okay, your wisdom and prosperity are far greater than anything I've ever heard of. And you know, today that still holds. Who's the richest guy in all the world in all of history? Solomon. Who was the wisest in all of history? La, da, da, da. Oh, I heard it was Solomon, yeah? Mm-hmm. Your people are happy, praise God, and your palace age are content, but how could it be otherwise? For they stand here every day listening to your wisdom. Remember, he wrote Proverbs. Wow. Oh, look what she sums it up as. Blessed be the Lord your God who chose you, set you on the throne of Israel, 
How the Lord must love Israel, for he gave you them as their king. And you give your people a just, uh, good government. Wow. Then she gave the king $3.5 million in gold, along with a, with a huge quantities of spices, precious stones. In fact, it was the largest single gift of spices King Solomon ever received. Just coming and coming in, isn't it? And when King Haram's ships brought gold to Solomon from Ophir, they also brought along a great supply of algum trees and gems. Wow. Solomon used the, uh, man, I, the, the whole place was just awesome. The algum wood to make pillars for the temple and the palace and for harps and for harpsichords for his choirs. Never before or since has there been such a beautiful a, a supply of beautiful wood. In exchange for the gifts from Queen Sheba, King Solomon gave her everything she asked for. Besides the presents he had already planned. She and her servants uh, returned to their, their own land. Each year Solomon re received gold worth a quarter of a billion dollars. Wow. Besides sales taxes and profits from trades with the kings of Arabia and other uh, surrounding territories. Remember God told him he was going to happen. Because remember Solomon said, Lord, I don't know how to do any of this. I'm too young. I need wisdom. And God said, well, since you didn't ask for long life and the death of your enemies, you've asked for wisdom. I'm going to give you wisdom. You're going to be the wisest guy ever was, but I'm going to give you the stuff you didn't ask for. Long life and prosperity, which things we have. You know, we have Jesus' wisdom. That's the reason if, if you're in a fix somewhere, you know, just you take this story. If God gave it to Solomon, he gave it to you. Okay, that's the point. Take just, just, because uh, we're all in situations sometimes, man, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. <gasps> Wait a minute. I'm going to act like you're real. Just say, Lord, tell me what to do here. Tell me what to do. And if you've been reading the book of Psalms, David did that. David said, make it plain. i got to know what to do. It's, it's, you're you. God will talk southern language to you. He'll put it right. He'll tell you exactly what to do. Anyway, Solomon had some of the gold beaten into 200 pieces of armor worth 6,000 uh, into each piece and 300 shields, 1,800 worth of gold in each. And he kept them in his palace in the hall of, uh, I think it's the hall of the forest or something like that. I forgot what it's called. Uh, yeah, forest of Lebanon, because I, I, I saw it in the previous chapter. They were, they were describing his beautiful uh, home over there. He also made a huge ivory throne, overlaid it with pure gold. It had six steps rounded back with an armrest and a lion on each side. Wow. And there were two lions on each step, 12 in all. Look at that. I kind of thought it was two, but I, 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 I'd forgot. It's the beauty of reading the Bible over again. So two times whatever, six. There's no other throne in all the world as splendid as... Now, what does this do for us as... I mean, we know it's true. People can deny it or whatever, but what does this do? What if it is true? It is true, see. What a foundation we have. Jesus spoke about Solomon. Mm. And the interesting thing about Solomon, if you read here, you're going to find out Solomon's going to bite the dust at the end. I mean, he, he just lets... Uh, the women that he was with distract him, go into idols. But hey, while he's serving the Lord, this is what's going on. All of Solomon's cups were solid gold. And in the, and I, I just, I mean, I like that stuff too. I mean, mine's not solid gold, but I have the fake uh, utensils in the kitchen. I love that stuff. I was over at somebody's house one time when I was younger and their silverware they used was not silver, it was gold. And I always thought that was so cool. It's always one of that gold stuff. I like that. That's good. It's pretty nice, you know. But so look at this. His, his cups were gold. 
And in the hall of forest of Lebanon, Lebanon, his entire dining service was made of, there it is, his dining service was solid gold. Look at this, silver wasn't even used because it was considered to be, uh, it, was, it wasn't considered to be much value. King Solomon's merchant fleet was in partnership with King Haram. And once every year, uh, every three years, great loads of, look at this, uh, uh, gold, silver, ivory. Ay, I don't want any apes. <laughs> well, apparently they did, whatever. And peacocks, we got that, arrived at the Israeli ports. Wow. They had some pooper scoopers, didn't they, for all that stuff? Good grief. But anyway, so Solomon uh, was richer and wiser than all the kings, look at that, of the earth. Great men from many lands. I'm, I'm not going over. Man, they wanted to. You talk about wanting to go on a vacation. Hey, where do you want to go? I want to go to Israel. I want to see this king. <laughs> Great men from many lands to interview him and listen to his God-given. Look at the way they put it. God-given wisdom. He wasn't a lucky dog. He just was, you know, God was just surprised that he had such wisdom. No, God gave it to him. They brought him annual tribute of silver and gold dishes, beautiful cloth, uh, myrrh, spices, horses, and mules. Solomon built a great stable of horses with a vast number of chariots and cavalry, 1,400 chariots in all, the, in all and 12,000 cavalrymen who lived in the chariot cities with the king at Jerusalem. Man, wow, what an awesome place. Remember, that's why Nebuchadnezzar, laid, it took him a while to chisel all this down. Silver was as common as stones in Jerusalem in those days. The cedar was of no greater value than the common sycamore. Solomon's horses were brought to him from Egypt and other uh, excuse me, in southern Turkey where his agents purchased them at wholesale prices. Yeah. An Egyptian horse, uh, why would you have this if it wasn't real? See, an Egyptian horse chariot delivered to Jerusalem cost 400 bucks. The horses were valued at 150 each. Many of these were resold to the Hittite and the Syrian kings. Well, I guess so. Make some money. Where are we going with all this? Well, we're going exactly where the Lord brought them. Uh, he, uh, he, he told Moses, well, Moses told him that if you'd serve the Lord, look what would happen. And then the next time Solomon married, see, this is history. It's not a spiritual point here. Solomon married many other girls beside the Egyptian princes. Well, that can't be wisdom. Well, apparently it was. He, he was doing it. Many of them came to the, look at that. Many of them came from nations where idols were worshipped. Moab, Ammon, Edom, uh, Edom, Sidon, and from the Hittites. And even though the Lord had clearly instructed his people not to marry uh, into any of those he instructed his people not to marry into those nations because the women they married uh, would get them started. And of course, that's what happened. We'll get them started. Uh, and he, his, he built a palace for the, uh, he married uh, Pharaoh's daughter in the previous chapter, two chapters earlier. Uh, he'd get them started in worshiping uh, their gods, yet Solomon did it anyway. See, look at that. He just, okay, I'm going to do it. He had 700 wives and 300. That's where you get your 1,000. The 300 concubines. Golly, how do you stay? You could grieve. And we worry about, you know, somebody, oh, you're two-timing. <laughs> what do you call this? <laughs> this is worse than two-timing, thousand-timing. Oh, man. But see, look what happened. Sure enough, they turned his heart away from the Lord, especially in his old age. Look at that. They encouraged him to worship their gods instead of trusting completely in the Lord as his father David had done. Solomon worshiped, oh, my goodness. The Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Milcom, the horrible god of... Man, what was he thinking? Well, he wasn't thinking right here, was he? The Ammonites. Thus Solomon did what was clearly wrong, refused to follow the Lord his father, the Lord as his father David did. 
He even built a temple in the Mount of Olives across the valley from Jerusalem for Kamash. Oh my goodness. What Solomon, what, what are you doing? The depraved God of Moab. And another from Molech. Ah, man, just like God told Moses, don't be running after these other gods. There were so many of them. They're not really gods at all. Look at that. The utterly vile God of the Ammonites. Solomon built temples for these foreign wives to use for burning incense and sacrificing to their gods, which was, it was human sacrifice and crap like that. Gee, look what it says. Look at mercy here. Jehovah, that's the Lord, was very angry with Solomon about this. For now Solomon, Solomon no longer uh, interested in the Lord God of Israel, who appeared to him twice and warned him. Look at that. He showed up and warned him about worshiping these other gods, but he hadn't listened. So now the Lord says, since you haven't kept our agreement and not obeyed my laws, I will tear the kingdom away from you and your family and give it to someone else. However, look at this. Praise God. For the sake of your father, David, I won't do this while you're still alive. And we've got so much mercy. I know. I'll take away the kingdom away from your son, which he did. He just said, your son, which is Rehoboam. And even so, I will let him be king of one tribe for David's sake. And for this, and actually, Rehoboam bounced back pretty good. It, it, and they, they tell you, this is kings. I mean, that's the reason that book, it's not called Solomon. No, it's kings, plural. It started out with David, although there was Saul. You know, but you pick up on Saul in 1 Samuel. That's when you learn about Saul. But anyway, uh, so, and also 1 Chronicles. It's, these, these two history books are laid side by side because they're historically... Put together perfectly. Okay, anyway. So anyway, so um, it's kings. And so he says, I'm going to take away the kingdom from your son. And even so, I'll let him be king of one tribe for David's sake. And for the sake of, uh, he actually, uh, Judah and Benjamin. And, and for the sake of Jerusalem, my chosen city. Uh, so the Lord caused Hadad the Edomite to grow in power. And Solomon became apprehensive. For Hadad was a member of the royal family of Edom. Now, remember the history behind Edom, that goes all the way back to, let's see, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had a brother named Esau. Esau's kids were the Edomites. Edom means red stuff. Okay, anyway. Years before, uh, when David had been in Edom with Joab to arrange for the burial of some Israeli soldiers who died in the battle, the Israeli army had killed nearly every male in the country. Okay. Must be some spiritual point here. No, it's a historical event. Took six months to accomplish this, but they finally killed all except Hadad. He still got away from it, didn't he? And a few royal officials who took him to Egypt, for he was a very small child at the time. They slipped out of Midian and went to Paran. In other words, just like we hear today, Hitler was doing such and such, and a bunch of them scampered off and they went to South America. Remember that? A bunch of those people fled. I mean, good thing they fled. Anyway, but anyway. Where others joined them and accompanied them to Egypt, and Pharaoh had given them homes and food. Hadad became one of Pharaoh's closest friends and gave him a wife, the sister of Queen Taphines, and she presented him with a son. God, with all the details. Yeah. People weren't bozos. They had records. David had a historian. You better believe Solomon did. He had budgets and records and everything else he had. Anyway, Hadad became one of Pharaoh's best friends. Okay, we got that. Okay, closest friends. Uh, anyway, his son, who was brought up in Pharaoh's palace among Pharaoh's own sons, so fraternity there, look at that. When Hadad uh, there in Egypt heard that David and Joab were both dead, he asked Pharaoh for permission to return to Edom. Why, Pharaoh asked him, uh, what do you like here? 
we hadn't disappointed you. No, everything's wonderful. I just like to go back home. So that's how this guy got back to Edom, although most of the Edomites were wiped out. Another one of Solomon's enemies who God raised to power was Rizon, one of the officials of King Hadezer of Zobab, who had deserted his post and fled the country. Now, it's interesting. These people here, you can find these in other books, history books. These guys were there. He had become the leader of a gang of bandits, men who fled with him to Damascus, where he later became king And when David destroyed Zobab. When Solomon's entire lifetime, during Solomon's entire lifetime, Rezan and Hadad were his enemies, for they hated Israel intensively. Verse 26, we'll close right here. Just wanted to show this, finish this out. Another leader was uh, Jeroboam, the son of Nebats, not the same Jeroboam that was a king. This is another bad guy, uh, uh, who came from the city of Zeredeth and Ephraim, his mother, was Zeruah a widow. Here's the story. Uh, back his rebellion, Solomon was rebuilding Fort Milo, repairing the walls of uh, this city of his father built. Jeroboam was very able, uh, and Solomon saw how industrious he was. He put him in charge of his labor battalions from the tribe of Joseph. Okay. One day Jeroboam was leaving Jerusalem. The prophet Ahijah from Shiloh, who had put on a new robe for the occasion, met him and called him aside. As the two of them were alone, Ahijah tore his new robe in 12 parts. Yeah, this is it. This is because Jeroboam's going to be the king of the southern group or whatever, the other group. He's going to have 10 tribes. Take 10 of these pieces, the Lord God of Israel says. This guy was a prophet, okay? I'll tear away the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and give 10 tribes to you. Now, what happened? Have you read the preceding part? Man, Solomon's not worshiping the Lord. He, he built this beautiful temple. It took him seven years, I think, to build that beautiful temple. And now he's went off the deep end, worshiping this other stuff. I'll leave him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, Jerusalem, which I have chosen uh, uh, above all the cities of Israel. For Solomon has forsaken me. There you go. Oh, very plain. Worships Ashtoreth. That's one. The goddess of the Sidonians. Chemosh, there's two. The god of Moab. Milcom, three. The god of the Ammonites. He's not followed my paths and not done what I consider right. He's not kept my laws and instructions as his father David did. I will take away the kingdom from him from now. Uh, however, for the sake of my servant David, my chosen one who obeyed my commandments, I'll let Solomon reign for the rest of his life. Again, mercy, look at that. But I'll take away the kingdom from his son and give 10 tribes to you. His son shall have the other one so that the descendants of David will continue to reign in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen uh, uh, to be the place uh, for my name to be enshrined. I will place you on the throne of Israel and give you absolute power. Now, what's interesting is Jeroboam here. Jeroboam, remember what he's going to do in the next chapter, or next two chapters. This bozo, he's been given this by the Lord. The Lord, the prophet's telling him this. And he's saying, look, you need to worship the Lord. What's he going to do? Set up two cows. Two cows. And he's going to say, these are the gods who brought you out of Egypt. Mm, amazing. And so he's going to go downhill fast. And God brought him, raised him up for a good reason. The reason he did that was because he gets jealous thinking, I don't want anybody going over there to Rehoboam's camp to worship the Lord. We're going to set up some cows over here. You guys can worship these cows. God, what is it with cows? Man. See, he says, if you'll listen and do what I tell you, walk in my paths and do whatever is right, obeying my commandments, as David did, I will bless you, and your descendants shall rule Israel forever. Wow. <laughs> I once made the same promise to David. But because of Solomon's sin, I will punish the descendants of David, but not forever. Solomon, aha, he heard about it. He tried to kill him, but he fled to King Shishak of Egypt, stayed there until the death of Solomon. Wow. 
The rest of what Solomon did and said is written in the book of somebody made it up. No, look at that. There's a book out there called the Acts of Solomon. Whoa. He ruled in Jerusalem for 40 years. There's your time frame. And he died and was buried in the city of his father, David, and his son. There he is, Rehoboam, reigned in his place. And we, Father, we just thank you for your word today. We see the track record, what took place. And we know where blessing is. Lord, we're sticking with you. We're not going to wind up as Solomon did in his latter day. His early years were great. He loved you. He trusted you. We're going to keep doing that. We can pick up on that. Father, if we're not feeling good today, you'll take care of that. We started out seeing that there was not one feeble one among them, a one among them when they left Egypt. You took care of all their weaknesses and sicknesses, whatever. You'll take care of ours. Same thing's true financially. All the great financial stuff you did for Solomon, praise God you do that for us too. And Lord, if it's something else, we got some problem, great or small, like the Queen of Sheba, she brought all her problems there and you solved every one of them. Praise the Lord. We caught wind of that, Lord. When we got problems today, Lord, we know you're going to fix them too. You'll give us wisdom. You'll tell us what to do. You'll get us out, whatever it is. And that doesn't leave anything left but for us to go tell everybody what you've been doing in our life as we try to tell people about Jesus so they can go to heaven too. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That good? Praise the Lord.